Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. So welcome everyone to our Lead to Succeed podcast and we have John Denbitz on our, as our guest today. Now, John has a very interesting background and has built businesses and is chairman of a number of different businesses. So we're going to learn a lot about leadership today. So just a quick background before John does his own introduction. But John has a book called Do It Right and Do It Now, packed with stacks of very practical ideas and things that you can do to improve and be a great leader and primarily about treating people right, treating your employees the right way. So John has graduated with an MBA from London Business School and then he joined McKinsey as a management consultant. He went to work, he went on to work with a major FTSE 100 organization, then a merchant bank and at the age of 35 was appointed CEO of a communications consultancy and from there with his brother, he built a successful international IT consultancy, consultancy, which was bought by Deloitte. So I'm sure we're going to hear more, but with that um, incredible background, we're looking forward to getting stuck in. So, Thanks. John, big welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Um, you're currently chairman at Anstey Home and a number of others. So maybe you'd like to do a brief introduction. Well, I think you've done such a great job. I won't waste time <laughs> repeating it. Um, I'm currently chairman of uh, five different companies. I'm on the board of another. Um, I'm also doing uh, quite a bit in the charity uh, area where I'm on the board of trustees of a few charities. And I do um, a bit of coaching and mentoring as well. Um, but um, the most important thing, I guess, is the book. And uh, um, that is something someone asked me, how long did it take you to write? Um, and I looked at them with a very straight face and said 50 years. That's um, a great, great answer. <laughs> <laughs> because essentially it's the uh, some of the various experiences and learnings that I had during my, and still have, um, in my career. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, John. Thanks very much for, for coming on. Um, I'd like to kick things off with the first question and sort of maybe from one of your previous roles and uh, one of your previous roles, your experience, I'm sure you've been kind of exposed to a number of great leaders in different leadership styles. Um, I'd like to ask, what would you say has been your sort of best experience of, of leadership? Um, thanks, Callum. Um, there have been numerous um, good examples of leadership. Um, going right back to my first uh, job, which was at McKinsey, uh, which in many respects was exemplary. Uh, McKinsey gets a lot of knocks, especially these days. Uh, but the way it deals with its people, um, it invests in the people. Um, it's not surprising because people is the only thing that they really have. Um, they spend a huge amount of time recruiting and trying to make sure they have the right people on board. Um, so it's not surprising that they do actually invest um, in people and provide 
in, in as far as I was concerned, during my five years, their outstanding management and leadership or the people within the firm. There were oddballs that were bad apples, even there. Um, and what was pretty consistent is that it didn't take too long for McKinsey to uncover the bad apples and they dealt with them in a very effective manner. Um, so that's right at the beginning of my career, if you like. Um, more recently, um, there have been a number of organizations where um, that I've been involved with, um, where there have been examples of really terrific leadership, um, whether it's um, um, the uh, recruitment company Vanquis, um, who have had the most amazingly effective um, leadership through the pandemic, um, the way they dealt with their people, the way they support their people. Um, no one had to ask, it was there. It was there instantly. Um, they dealt with their people with tact, with the great emotional intelligence, um, and they were really ahead of the curve. Awesome. That sounds like you've had some really, uh, you know, really incredible experiences of leadership. And there was two things you mentioned there, John. You said around like the kind of the support, the emotional intelligence. What what would you hear as some of the other traits that you've kind of witnessed from those from those leadership examples that would sort of make them really kind of stand out? Sorry, could you repeat the question, Tom? Sure thing. So there was two things you said there, kind of around the support that was given to the employees, and then yeah. also the kind of the emotional intelligence that was used in that process yeah. as well. What other traits have you seen in kind of those leadership examples that make them so great? Um, it, it's really quite simple. Um, leaders who have emotional intelligence understand that they're dealing with human beings mm -hmm. who have feelings, who have needs, who have anxieties, who have mental health issues, who have physical issues, um, and they're aware of that. They're not trying to impose their own personality on the people that they're managing on the people that they're leading but they're trying to embrace and encourage those people um, to be um, as effective as they possibly can and providing whatever support those people require they have the sense that they, they um, are there to provide genuine leadership in the sense of at the end of the day the people in those organizations will turn around and say i want to be led by you and that's what, it, that's what really matters. Um, it's not, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna accept what you say because you're my boss, it's because you're engaging with me, you're listening to me. It doesn't mean you always do what I'm asking for, but I know that there is engagement. Do you think then, John, that emotional intelligence is the key, the number one trait of being a terrific, in your words, leader, a highly effective leader? I think emotional intelligence is one of the most important traits of an effective leader. Um, listening is another. Um, very often um, people say, yeah, I listen, but they don't. Um, listening and decision making. Um, and the two, I think, go together because you need to listen to be able to make the right decisions rather than just making decisions for the sake of it. Um, and um, I would say one of the other things of a good leader is having a questioning mind, um, asking why, um, challenging, and having an intellect that can problem solve. 
I mean, it's a key part of your book, isn't it? The asking questions, it, it appears um, throughout your book. So when you say asking questions, let's drill down on this a little bit further. What are the important questions to be asked as a leader? Why? <laughs> okay. Well, you said yes. you also say silence is golden in your book, so that was a deliberate pause. <laughs> there was a deliberate pause. Very good. You've obviously read bits of it. Um, I think just not accepting the status quo, not accepting that things just because this is the way things were done, this is the way they have to be done in the future. Not accepting the fact that. Um, there, there are certain things which have existed um, and can't be questioned. Everything can be questioned. If you don't ask, you don't get. Um, and essentially, I believe that it is the leader's role to encourage engagement, to encourage questioning. He should surround himself by people who will put pressure on him or her uh, to ask the questions and not just nod in agreement. Um, there's nothing worse than leaders surrounding themselves by yes men or yes people. Um, and you can see that there are so many examples in the world around us of organizations where there has been a super powerful leader um, who surrounded them, themselves with yes people. And the net result after a certain period of time was disaster. Royal Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland comes to mind very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Goodwin, mm -hmm. very powerful individual, super powerful individual, surrounded himself by a bunch of people who didn't dare say no. And I think your point also refers to you've got to create a culture, as you said, that really encourages people not being afraid and to actually challenge. being brave to Absolutely. challenge. Because if you're challenging your leader, you know, you do have to have a, some braveness around that. Rebecca, um, let me go back to where the, 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 that kernel of that idea came from. And it really goes back to my start at McKinsey again. Um, I arrived at McKinsey um, during my first, end of my first week, the managing partner in London office invited me to have a meeting with him. Oh, bloody hell, you know, I'm the bad carry. I'm the, I'm the snotty-nosed kid at the age of 25 who'd just been hired. And the managing partner of the office wants to have a, a, a meeting with me. Wow. Anyway, I went into his office somewhat with trepidation. He made me feel extremely comfortable and relaxed. Um, and at the end of the discussion, he said, now, you've been here a week. What have you seen that should be changed? <laughs> I said, what? You're asking me? What should be changed? I've only been here a week. Exactly. Exactly. You're looking at things with fresh eyes. Just share with me the things that you've seen that you think might need to be changed. I've never forgotten that, ever. So that's been a big influence on your leadership style, I guess, going forward after it that. It has. And I look, my, my, things that have influenced me have been both the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there have been plenty of uglies along the way. Um, you know, whether it's uh, uh, micromanagement, which I think is death, it sucks the oxygen out of organizations, it sucks the oxygen out of individuals, it, it takes initiative and drive away from people, just 
horrendous. I mean, I, I really get very uptight when I see organizations where there is a high degree of micromanagement um, or where people are just completely treated as commodity. Horrible. A question off the back of that, John, I'd be really curious to get your thoughts on it. Kind of, you know, the, the, a really amazing example of leadership being asked to get your kind of perspective, you know, having only been at that company for a very short space of time and at the other end of the spectrum, you've got like micromanagement and that sort of thing. So what do you think is like a really effective um, overarching like leadership style? Obviously, I mentioned there's a sort of a high degree of trust, ownership, emotional intelligence and that, and that sort of thing. What, what would your sort of other thoughts be kind of in that regard? Okay, um, good leaders surround themselves with people who are better than them, mm -hmm. predominantly, um, that they trust, uh, that they will delegate to. Um, good leaders will um, give people airtime. Um, good leaders will recognize the importance of people in the organization and will ensure that they have a really high level of understanding who the people are within the organization. Now, if you get an organization of 40,000 people, clearly the leader of that organization cannot know every one of those 40,000 people, but he can know the top 100, the top 200. And by doing that, he's setting the example to that 200 of how important it is, and then it pyramids down. So good leadership um, provides exactly what the word says, leadership. I'll give you an example. The guy who ran um, Marriott International, um, unfortunately, he died um, recently. Um, but when COVID started, he was the first chief executive of a mega multinational organization that went public to say, we have asked people to reduce and hold back. I and my whole executive team are not taking a penny salary or bonuses or any other compensation for the next year until we have clarity on where we're going. He was the first chief executive of a major S&P 300 company, 500 company, to do that. Fantastic leadership. Leadership from the front. We need to see more of that. Yeah, we really should. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, during COVID, there, there were some good examples. There were some awful examples as well. Um, and, and, and I'm in the book, I, I make reference to uh, uh, one appalling example um, where there was a, a major um, organization in the UK um, that has the founder is now a significant shareholder. When COVID hit, the, that particular organization literally went into a, just they fell off a cliff. Uh, I mean, just complete meltdown. I mean, they've survived, but during that time, it was horrendous what they had to do in order to survive. And that uh, share, shareholder, an, an ex-founder, uh, ex turned around and said, I still want my dividend. I don't care what's going on. I want my dividend. Paid now. I mean, just, you know, how bad can it get? As a, as a couple of individuals, you've 
mentioned that John and some organizations and, and different companies. I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Do you have any sort of particular leaders that you often sort of very much like look up to? That could be like an author, someone that's, you know, maybe famous or perhaps some colleagues you've worked with in the past. Is there any particular leaders that you very much look up to? And, and guess what's the listen, reasoning behind listen, that? I, I, I'm, I make reference in the book to a number of different leaders who I think have been outstanding and mm. have provided excellent leadership. Um, I also make reference to a number of people who I found appalling, <laughs> um, but all, only in the public domain. <laughs> sure. I, I, I only quote people who are in the public domain because I don't want to get sued. Um, but look, there are, there are some fabulous leaders of small companies um, where they are really provide, and actually it's one of, one of the themes that I have in the book is that um, SMEs very often are run by founders. Mm -hmm. um, and the press um, rarely takes sufficient notice of what's going on in SMEs because they're always on the FTSE 100 and what's going on and how, how appalling the compensation um, structures in big companies and uh, fat cats, etc. But they're missing the fact that um, UK PLC is essentially the sum of small businesses. Um, and most, by no means all, but most founders, most owners and leaders of small businesses do it in a highly responsible way. They care about their people. They care about the people that they've employed. Um, they go out of their way to create a level playing field, to, to be genuinely employing people of all backgrounds, of all races, of all colors, of all abilities, etc. And they get very little credit for that. And they're the ones, when the, tough, when the going gets tough, they're usually the first to say, I'm cutting my dividend, I'm cutting my pay because I want to make sure that people get paid in the business. And I think that's bad. And I, I've, I've tried to argue a number of times that leaders of SMEs should get more recognition for what they do. I mean, they are the backbone to the UK economy. Absolutely, absolutely, Absol absolutely. They are the backbone. And I just don't think they get sufficient credit for what they do. I do think, though, John, that the tables are turning a little bit now and there is more respect for founders and entrepreneurs than there was 10 years ago because it was a little bit frowned upon um, to be an entrepreneur, to be leading a business, a small business. I'm not sure I agree with you. OK, good. Let's have a challenge. Um, I'm not sure I agree with you, Rebecca. I, I, I think there's perhaps a little more talk um, and a few programmes give a little bit of credence to um, how tough it is to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I don't think I, either the financial press, and I'm talking about the FT in particular, uh, nor government give sufficient leeway to and give sufficient attention to um, the entrepreneur and the people running SMEs. What would you like to see? Um, well, for a start, I'd like to see um, much greater coverage of what's going on in SMEs within the FT generally um, and, uh, and, and within the press generally. Um, and I'd like the government to acknowledge how tough it is to be an entrepreneur and to provide, I mean, during coronavirus, um, it's interesting that 
if you were an entrepreneur, you were self-employed and a sole trader, you fell between you fell between all the COVID support mm -hmm. mechanisms. And how crazy is that? Mm -hmm. It's a very good example of lack of recognition um, and plays to your point exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, there, there, there's, there's a, an award, an annual award for the best non-exec of FTSE 100 companies, FTSE 250 companies, AIM-listed companies. Um, but it doesn't go down to SMEs. It's all in the quoted sector. Mm. Yeah. Moving on. Oh, sorry. Don't know if I said, no. I was going to say, moving on to the case. <laughs> Maybe a, a slightly more positive uh, note. Drawing on your sort of extensive uh, variety of different roles and kind of combining these two questions together, what sort of three pieces of advice would you give to kind of aspiring leaders or, you know, your younger self? What sort of advice would I give to aspiring leaders? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, this might seem a bit, bit of off, off, um, off piste, as it were, but okay. I would say treat others with courtesy, be kind and considerate, because you never know when they'll come. You know, you'll meet them on the way up or the, on the way down. Build a network from day one, because networking is essential, irrespective. It's essential, um, and I would say, wouldn't I? Do it right and do it now. Awesome. let's take a, a look at some leadership challenges that you face john we've had extensive leadership and continue to have extensive leadership roles and experience yeah. i know our listeners love to hear about big challenges that leaders have faced how they coped with them how they got through them okay um look inevitably i faced lots of challenges over the years um the first one was um, dealing with a founder of a business that I was involved with, um, who was um, an executive director of the business, uh, but the business had grown, grown, and the business had gone public. Um, and I was there as the chief executive of the business, but this guy was still around as an executive director. Um, so I was authorizing all the director's expenses. And suddenly I saw that this guy was uh, incurring expenses for himself and his wife and his children um, and his nannies, et cetera, for a weekend jolly. Um, not acceptable. So I walked into his office, closed the door, and I just said, look, I'm really sorry, but I have to approve the expenses, as you know. I can't approve this. I mean, the guy went ancient. I mean, he was bouncing off the wall. Um, and I just looked. You can scream and shout as much as you want. I didn't raise my voice. Um, if you disagree with my action, you're completely free to go to the chairman of the company and see what he says. End of story. It never, ever happened again. You know, you've got to confront these issues. You can't sweep them under the carpet. Um, one of the most difficult decisions I had to make was putting a company into voluntary uh, liquidation. I mean, that is heartbreaking. Um, because you know it's going to impact on the lives of people. But it had to be done. There was no alternative. Um, so the right thing to do was to do it. Um, but it's a horrible decision to make. 
but that's that goes with the with the territory. Um, being on boards, um, there are numerous times when you know I talk about the chapter of the positive note. Um, there, one of the things that as as a board member you have to do is to challenge, um, and at times challenging people who have very strong views, um, and who may be very senior in the organization who believe they're absolutely right in what they're doing and just questioning that and then actually saying, nope, that's not the right thing to do. That takes guts, but that's what you're there to do. So your top tips for dealing with difficult situations. I mean, the first one is you've got to deal with it. What would be your next learnings um, after that? You've got to deal with it, stay calm never raise your voice, um, have your facts, always have your facts if you need them, um, always have the data to back it up. Um, you know, bullshitting is, is easy, but you know, having the substance to back things up is, is what will renew the points. I think that's uh, essential. And do it with courtesy, yes. And do it with the empathy as well, because you are dealing with another human, which, Absolutely. A key component of what you talk about in your book. Absolutely. You know, it's treating everybody with respect, regardless of what the situation might be. Absolutely. And, and that, that kind of leads me to a, I guess, concluding comment, if, if, I, if I may. Um, and I say this in the book, but I, I genuinely believe it. I live it day in day. I have this overwhelming belief that you know, we're all ordinary people. No one's special, no one's extraordinary. We're all a bunch of ordinary people. If we can provide the right leadership, if we can provide the right management to a group of people, the likelihood of achieving extraordinary results, exceptional results is very real. I think a, a fantastic place to, to end on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, as we sort of conclude the, the podcast, I'd like to just give a bit of time back to our guests. Um, is there anything you would like, any sort of, uh, any final closing thoughts you would like to share or anything that's sort of going on in your world that you would like to share with our guests too? Um, thank you. I, I guess the only concluding thought I would add is that good management, good leadership um, of people doesn't take massive capital investment. In fact, it doesn't take capital investment. What it takes is an attitude of mind and a preparedness to get on and do it. Do it right. Do it now. Do it now. John, thank you so much for your insights, your experience, sharing your knowledge. It's been fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Callum. Thank you very much for your time, John. It's been a pleasure talking. All the best. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen.co.uk rgen, website.